Let's start out with a story, okay? So I remember, I don't know what your experience was growing up, but I grew up in church, all right? Sunday morning, Sunday school, Sunday morning church, Sunday night church, Wednesday night church, a lot of church, a lot of preaching, all right? And when you go to a place that church is that hard, you also have this thing called church camp, all right? Has anyone heard of church camp? Anyone done a church camp before? Oh, hey, hey, we did it, church camp. Yeah, you guys know, it's awesome, all right? It's weird, it's awesome, it's cool, it's odd. We, we, you know, it's a time where all of these like middle schoolers and high schoolers, at least for my context, we'd go out into some random set of woods where there were cabins. There'd be like 300 of us and we'd spend a week and let me just show you, let me just tell you what this week would look like, all right? So we go to the cabins and then we get divided up into six teams, all right? We were really creative with team names. We had the orange team, the blue team, the yellow team, the green team, the pink team, and the purple team, all right? Uh, and so the point of the camp, well, at least in the teenager's mind, was to win, right? Was to, was to get a lot of points. And here's how you got points, okay? You had to memorize scripture. If you memorize the daily verse, you got a certain amount of points, right? If you memorize like eight verses, you got a certain amount of points. If you memorize the whole chapter, which I did, once, <laughs> uh, then failed the rest of the time. You got like 2,000 points and it was super epic, right? And then you'd also have like, you know, three-legged races and egg tosses and all these weird things. But the point is you memorize scripture for points, all right? And then you had a daily devotion every morning at like 11 a.m. Someone would come and teach your little squad from the, from the scriptures. And then at nighttime, every single night, okay, we'd have a worship service with preaching. So think about this. All right, if you're going like, oh, I'm just trying to find 10 minutes in my day to like get in the word. At church camp, you're memorizing scripture, a lot of it. You're getting a devotion every morning. You're going to a worship service every night. Like you are just soaked in scripture. And on Monday, that kind of sounds terrible, right? When you first show up, you're like, man, I'm just trying to like flirt with her. I'm gonna try to sneak my cell phone in because we're not supposed to have that and be like, yo, you up, what's up? You know, like what's going on? Like whatever, I'll buy you a Snickers at the next worship gathering, like whatever it is. You know, so it sounds kind of intimidating, but here's what ends up happening, typically. By like Thursday night, you're like, you just can't believe how much God has like changed your life. You don't know what's going on, but you know, like I'm pretty sure I'm never gonna sin again. Like, like I've been just soaking in scripture. Worship's been so great. You're like, I'm, I, every year at church camp, find me on Friday night, the last night with a group of eight guys going, all right, how are we gonna plant eight churches coming out of this spot like in the next month, right? Like, hey, we're ready. This is five sermons in a row. We're worshiping like the world is about to change, right? Because what happened? Because I used to look back on that and go, that's so cheap. Church camp was so silly, cheesy, not real. But as I was thinking this week, I'm like, actually, that's not fair. That's not fair. I may be disappointed in some of the lack of like sustained change from church camp, but it's not fair to say it wasn't real. Because what really happened was this like moment, this week, you came in super intentional and super intense, right? It's like intentional and intensity. When they come together, like things happen. So for seven days, you just like spiritually in a good way, brainwash yourself with scripture, right? Like not in a bad way, but like in a good way, you just soak yourself in the word, in worship, listening to sermons and you find yourself praying. And all of a sudden, like by Thursday, you're like, I... I really don't wanna go back to who I was. Like, I really want this new normal. I'm seeing like the sun rise over the mountain. I'm like, we gotta get to that mountaintop. We can do this. Like, I used to hate mountain climbing, but after all this preaching, like, let's get up there. Like, there's more to this. There's more to life. There's more than Xbox. There's more than Facebook. Like, there really is. Oh my goodness. And then what happens, right? Church camp is all about this invitation to like a new normal, all these epiphanies. And then you get back to the real world and you just, you kind of like leave all the intentionality behind. 
And it's interesting how this works. Because church camp has like this one-two punch of intentionality, get in the word, listen to the word, pray, all this stuff, and intensity, do it all the time. But oftentimes when you leave church camp, that intensity leaves, right? No one's over you. You're not trying to score points anymore, right? You're not having a worship service every night. And we don't mean for this to happen, but as the intensity leaves, so does the intentionality. Some of the, some of the purpose behind it, some of the intentionality you're walking in, it also leaves. And we look back in like two months and go, I really thought church camp meant more. And I used to think, well, I guess it what didn't mean as much as I thought. I think it means more. We just often don't know how to leave seasons of intentionality and intensity and kind of carry out some of the principles we've learned. So as we're looking in Nehemiah, we're going to be in Nehemiah chapter 13. And if you're using one of our blue Bibles, let me tell you what page it is, because I forgot to do this part of the homework. Page 232, if you're using one of our blue Bibles. And honestly, I don't know why I even had you open there, just so it's there. But we're not actually going to read any verses today. I'm going to kind of recap chapter 13. I'm going to size some verses, and you can read it on your own time. Uh, Yeah, I just realized that was useless. Um, But I want to recap Nehemiah 13, because here's what's going to happen. I'm not going to to talk about uh, some of the details. You can go to the podcast for this. But basically, Nehemiah hears that the walls of Jerusalem have been torn down, goes to the king, says, I want to build a team. I want to rebuild the city. They rebuild the city. The people of Israel exit exile. They come together. They begin worshiping. There's this moment of intense intentionality, and they're like establishing a new normal. Like, come together, don't grieve anymore, worship like God is good. And we just talked about Nehemiah 12 last week. Everyone's together, they're singing, we're worshiping, we're dancing, everything's good. Now, think about your favorite book or movie, right? The book ended right there. If this is your favorite book or movie, that was the end, and everyone worshiped and celebrated, and everything was good. Nehemiah 13 is kind of like a what the heck moment. 1 through 12, just a climb. We're just climbing up. Everything keeps getting better, keeps getting better, keeps getting better. And then Nehemiah 13, something crazy happens. And it's super disappointing, kind of a bummer. Wish they would have cut this chapter out. Nehemiah goes, hey, I want to return back to Jerusalem. So he went back to his job as cupbearer to the king. He hasn't been back in some time. He goes, hey, I want to go back to Jerusalem. I want to check in on how they're doing. Let's just see how everything's going. And he goes back only to find they've slipped back into some of their old ways. And it is such a bummer. If you read it, I I can cite some verses for you real quick. In verse 10, it turns out that the Israelites had neglected some of those closest to them. In verse 15, they stopped honoring the Sabbath, which like God created for man to connect with him, to be in his presence, and they stopped it. In verse 23, he finds out they've been marrying people from other countries, which might sound kind of weird. Why is that a problem? But the problem was King Solomon himself, when, Israelite wasn't, when the Israel was not in exile, began marrying foreigners and letting false idols in, and they drifted farther away from the heart of God. So all of these things that their ancestors had done, and they knew this, that had caused their, their relationship with God to be severed, for distance to be created, they had returned to it. And Nehemiah's like, What has happened? Basically, the sentiment of Nehemiah in chapter 13 is, God, at least remember me, because I tried. (laughs) Like, I did the best I could. Can't explain this. What happened, right? And so I was reading this, and I was like, man, what happened? And I was like, dude, life happened. This is like the most human thing ever. This is the most normal thing ever. Had a few good months, connecting with God, and then slowly but surely, as the intensity of some of the worship faded, So did the intentionality, and slowly but surely, we started to drift back to our old ways, right? That's the thing about establishing a new normal. It's so easy to drift back into what was what normal, right? All right, so that's what happened 
in Nehemiah. So chapter 13, they've returned. And um, that's what happened to me in all of my church camp experiences. And, you know, to take this out of the non-spiritual realm, has anyone ever done Whole30? Anyone? Anyone proud to say yes? I don't know about you. I have never done Whole30. I went vegan for a month, which was also terrible. And, uh, and I don't know about you, but so often these diets, you don't slowly like drift back into unhealthy ways, right? Like if you know the end in sight, like in 30 days, I get to have everything I just gave up and I'm gonna have it, right? Like I'm gonna, I'm gonna undo those 30 days in like two hours. It's gonna be over. I'm gonna get Jenny's. I'm gonna get Burger Up. I'm gonna get McDonald's just because I don't know, my body just wants that right now. You know, that's kind of how it is, right? This happens in everything. Like intensity, intentionality, out the window, day one, okay? So we've been going through fast forward together for 30 days. I want us to talk about a very practical tool that we're actually gonna show on the screen right now. So whoever that person is, yes, Kate. No, that's great. No, I, I didn't like give you any kind of, good for Caitlin. Good job on the slides. <laughs> well, hey, what if I just got so upset with you? Where is the slide? Oh my gosh. <laughs> that you weren't prepared for except for like an hour ago. Um, so anyway, so we're gonna start walking through this tool and here's where we're gonna get potentially monotonous. But this is for our good. If we'll use this, if we'll identify with it, I think we'll look back on the fast forward season and go, here's where I felt failure. Here's where I felt success. And here's how we can grow from it. Okay. So this is going to be called, um, for lack of a better term, like the discipleship journey. All right. If you're taking notes, if you're drawing this, whatever, the discipleship journey. Anytime we are trying to step into obedience with God, taking deeper steps, whether it's just believing in Jesus or taking a step in your faith, I believe we'll often be able to identify with this tool, with one of the four phases we're about to cover, okay? So let's go ahead and talk about the first one. So next slide. The first, the first phase when you're like trying to seek God in a deeper way is this phase of desire. Can we see that? Can you see desire? See it? I can. It's this like phase of just like no filter, no understanding of what we are or aren't capable of. It's just excited. It is that church camp moment. It is like, oh my goodness, like I'm gonna go back to the real world and I'm gonna change my high school. And it's a beautiful season, like you just know it. Or, oh my goodness, I'm never gonna eat processed sugar again. Or, oh my goodness, I'm working out every day until 2074. Like, <laughs> I'm never gonna stop. I'm gonna do 2,000 push-ups in two years. Like, you know, it, it just, you start setting all these goals, right? You can think of these moments, and I'd even invite you now, like think of a moment where you were like, there's a new something, whatever that thing is, and I'm about to go get it. And like, nothing can stop me. If I keep this bottled up feeling of emotion and energy, I will accomplish my goal, right? That is this place of desire. A good term for this is unconscious incompetence, all right? It's not a bad thing. You're just not aware of what you're not capable of. Like, you're not aware of what you can't do. You're just like, I can do all of it, probably, like tomorrow, right? You're not aware. It's a beautiful thing. And I wanna be careful here. This is not a negative phase. This is a beautiful phase. It's often a good launching point. It's what makes us try the thing, right? Like Nika, when that moment where you went, I'm gonna be an Olympic snowboarder. Maybe you're not an Olympic snowboarder. You will be, maybe, but it probably got you on the snowboard, right? So now you're a pretty good snowboarder. That's a good thing, right? That season of desire. I don't think you ever had that dream, but still, if you did, you relate. So anyway, but it's that season of desire, okay? So does this one make sense? Unconscious incompetence, I just, I'm gonna go get it. I'm gonna climb Mount Everest and that's what I'm gonna, I don't know. All right, next phase. All right, next phase, despair. Marked by the phrase, I can't. 
If the first phase is unconscious incompetence, just like wide-eyed, excited, the second is conscious incompetence, all right? You're very aware of what you can't do right now. You just became painfully aware of just how not good of the thing you are that you thought you were gonna tackle, right? This is that moment where like day two, no processed sugar, headache, fatigue, and you're like, oh my goodness, this isn't worth it, right? This is awful, I hate this. Or for me, like a a personal story, I was really set on getting super fit because I weigh like 100 pounds soaking wet, right? So I wanted to get ripped. And I remember like the second day, I couldn't do eight pushups, eight. And I'd watch videos of like thousands. And I was like, what is happening? I'm never gonna be in shape. God, no one can start from here and get in shape. Like, you know, it's that moment of despair. It's the, I can't, or it's like when you had the Bible reading plan And by like week two, you were already in Leviticus and you were like, oh my goodness, I'm only reading Matthew for the rest of my life. Like, I don't know what this stuff is about. This Bible is crazy. Like, this is boring and weird and there's blood and all this stuff. Like, what is going on, right? It's like, it's those moments. We've all had these where we're like, whoa, all that desire just met all this despair and I really don't know how to keep moving. So this little arrow on the square is super important because often this is when we press eject. We're like, no, never mind. I'm gonna get something new. And we'll spend a lot of our lives going back from desire to despair. Just a new category, right? All right, it's not push-ups, maybe it's bike riding. It's not bike riding, maybe it's Xbox. And maybe I'll never leave that phase. That's, that sounds a lot better than exercise, right? Like whatever the thing is, but oftentimes what you'll find yourself doing, because the height of desire is so fun. It feels good, it feels new, it's exciting. It's, it's like, oh my, all the hope in the world is on your plate and you're just so pumped. But despair stinks, And it's no fun to push through despair. So oftentimes we'll press eject and get excited about something new. Does that make sense? Does that resonate with anybody? Is that connecting? All right, let's go to the next one. Here is the step that I want us to lean into. Discipline. I will. That word stinks. Even as I said it, I hated saying it. Discipline. Ugh, made me think of my parents getting on to me. But truthfully, disciple and discipline have the same root word, right? Discipline goes, hey, that first phase of I can do all of these things, the second phase of I can't do any of them, discipline is what's my next step in the journey, right? There's this phrase I really want you to remember because leaving this, this fast forward season behind, if there's things you really wanna see change in yourself, there's some new ways you wanna pursue God, there's some new habits you wanna pick up, there's some old habits you wanna stop, it's really important to remember this, okay? I'd actually love for you to write this down. This is a game changer, all right? Persistence greater than sign, perfection, persistence over perfection. This is a really important step because in between that despair and discipline phase, the enemy is just so strong here. You can't, you failed, you messed up again. All you're feeling is what you can't do. And you just can't see the sun over the horizon. Like, and the enemy comes in and goes, you're right, you can't do it. But truthfully, Jesus did not call us to be perfect. He called us to be persistent. Did you notice in the disciples, they were always, dude, they were literally always messing up. It's just all they did. Like they were just so good at messing up, but they were really good at getting back up. It just seems like that's what Jesus called them to, right? And I'm gonna gonna give an example of that later, but persistence over perfection in your life, whenever you mess up, I want us to stop letting our mistakes and when we fall short of what we wish we would be, Letting that validate this like narrative that we're not capable, that there, there is not hope 
on the other side of this thing, because so often we do that. But the truth is with Jesus, I really believe he wants us to see today that our mistakes, our struggle, that is a part of a very hopeful process. And I would even say it's a necessary step. So, so often the thing that invalidates our journey, that makes us go, never mind, I guess I'm not who I thought I was. I can't walk with God in this way, or I can't do this thing like I thought I could. Oftentimes the things that invalidate us, I feel like God's like, no, this is a part of it. I'm building something, chill out, keep going, we're good. Think of a few steps, like, let's, let's, let's work together, like take your next step, this is gonna be okay here. And uh, we'll get a little more practical in a second, but next step is this phase of delight. A good word to, oh wait, hold on, sorry. For discipline, conscious competence. You're really aware of what you're trying now. Like you're aware of what you're getting better at, all right? And then delight is this phase of unconscious competence. It's where all of a sudden, and I, pr- I promise you, please hear me, I promise you this is a part of the journey. In the same way that despair is a part of this journey and discipline's a part of this journey, delight is a part of this journey. I promise you that. But it's this place where you kind of look up, you don't have like an official moment where you go, oh my goodness, I've done it. You look back and go, for the past two months I've felt this way and I don't know when the transition happened, but suddenly I'm walking very naturally in the thing that I thought would never happen. Let me give a personal story that I wasn't going to share, but here we go. Why not? This really happened with me in sexual sin. That was a big part of my life from like age nine. I had just a weird, hard, kind of dark story growing up. And for the longest time, like sex felt like something that was put on me without me asking for it and something that I'd never be able to break free from. And let me tell you something, that despair season, it felt like it would never stop. It would just never stop. Like, as hard as I tried, no matter how hard I tried, even still, like my brain, my mind, I'm just like, God, what does it look like? In my journey of like just pressing forward and having community around me that just kept encouraging me to go for it, and I talked to many of you who actually have similar stories, delight is 100% possible. I have seen complete freedom. I've seen mistakes. I've seen falling. I've seen sinfulness. I have seen freedom. I have woken up going, oh my gosh, if you would have told my 20-year-old self, I would feel this way right now. There is no shot. There is no shot. It is not possible. I hear, my old, I hear me four years ago going, this is not possible. You will never feel freedom here. You just can't. You were born this way. It just happened to you. It's out of your control. It won't happen. And I know that potentially I'm touching on some really heavy things. So I don't want to like, okay, that's cool. As, as we're walking in our own stories, I want to really respect that. But I also want to make sure I'm going here going, Jesus has hope. Like, it may be a 10-year journey. It may be a 50-year journey. It may be a 10-week. I don't know what the journey is going to look like. But I do believe that as we pursue Jesus, as we take the next step, it is entirely possible for Jesus to bring us into this season, no matter how shallow or deep it is. If it's, I just want to read the Bible every day. Goodness gracious, that's hard. Or I really want to overcome this like addiction. Man, that's deep. That's hard. But I really believe Jesus has this for us. Okay. All right. Let me look at what's next because I'm not sure. All right, okay. So thinking about a practical story in the scriptures, just to like make this like really clear. So one place I think we really see this is with Peter, the disciple Peter, all right? You talk about a guy that loved the, the first phase of just straight unfiltered desire, right? There's this moment where Jesus is talking and he's gonna go, hey, just a heads up, I'm gonna die. They're gonna crucify me, I'm gonna resurrect. And what's Peter do? He just gets so riled up. He's like, yeah, you think you're gonna die. But here's the truth, Jesus, I'll die before you. I'm not going anywhere. They're not laying hands on you. You got to reign on your earthly throne. I'm going to take the bullet. You chill out, right? 
And Jesus is like, oh man, all right, Peter, good for you. But like before the rooster crows, you're gonna tell people that you don't even know me like three times, right? Peter's in this place of desire. He's like, I'll never leave. I'm never going anywhere, right? Then what happens? Jesus gets arrested. People go up to Peter. They don't even say like, like are you like friends with you? But do you know Jesus? I feel like you've seen Jesus. And Peter's like, I, don't, I didn't even know that was his name until you just said it. So this Jesus guy, I don't know him, right? And then what happens? He hears the rooster crow. He starts weeping, mourning, despair. Everything he's not. He just got reminded of everything he never was. Think about that. The same guy telling Jesus to his face, I will, I will die, is now going, I hope I never have to see Jesus again because I literally just said I don't know him, right? Let's think about uh, uh, phase three. So at the end of one of the gospels, don't remember which one it is. They're on the, sh- is it Matthew? They're on the shore. Jesus is talking with Peter. They're having breakfast after Jesus has resurrected. And Jesus is gonna go, Peter, hey, do you love me? I do. Feed my sheep. Do you love me? I do. Feed my sheep. Do you love me? I do. Feed my sheep. Jesus is basically gonna say, hey, if you love me, keep going. Like, feed my sheep. I've created you to do this thing. You're not gonna sit in this despair season. Just feed my sheep. If you keep reading in the book of Acts, which is kind of a continuation of the gospel, seeing what the disciples do, you watch Peter is threatened by the same squad that killed Jesus. And you know what he starts to pray for? He goes back after being threatened and released and he begins praying for boldness. That's delight. I don't know if Peter ever went, oh my goodness, I'm praying for boldness right now. What is happening? I'm not running, I'm not fleeing. I'm actually praying that as I go back to their threats, I preach boldly. That's delight. That's what it looks like, right? And I think that's, yeah, I think that's what's available for us as we keep journeying with God. So let's land this plane a little bit. Let's get super practical and, and make it apply to us here and now in these seats, okay? So in, during fast forward, or even if you weren't a, a part of fast forward, if you're just going, hey, I'm interested in taking a next step with God. We're gonna pass out these bookmarks. Dawei, Scott, this is our time to shine. Um, yeah, boom. We're gonna pass out these bookmarks from Fast Forward. And they're basically gonna ask two questions. And if you weren't a part of Fast Forward, I really wanna incorporate you here. I don't, I don't wanna leave you high and dry. But it's basically gonna ask two questions on one side and three questions on the other. The two question side is the individual side. That's what we're gonna focus on right now. This is you and your life. Two questions are basically, actually, let me make sure I don't misquote it. What did I let go of during the fast forward that I don't need to pick back up or that I need to pick back up in a different way? So during fasting, inevitably, if you participated on any level, you let some things go. And the thing about that 30-day fast is you go, as soon as day 30 gets here, I'm gonna pick it back up. But truthfully, a lot of us, we experience benefits from fast forward that we're like, I'd like to hold on to those. So this is an invitation to reflect on, hey, what things do you wanna pick up a little differently? So let's get practical here. So, okay, I let go of Instagram for a month, okay? That, not me, I did not do that, but some people did, right? Social media fast. I was on it every second, I'm just kidding. Um, no, but some of you, I heard a lot of people talking about social media fast. And so for some of you, it's going, hey, I'm not gonna just stay off the grid forever, but maybe I'll reserve my bedtime for time with the Lord and just rest and not phone time, Right? Like that'd be an example of I'm picking it back up, but it kind of changed a little bit for me, right? Does that make sense? So thinking through what are some things you let go of that you're gonna pick back up, but you need to do a little differently. Obviously things like food, you wanna pick that back up, right? But it might change the way you do that. Or what are some things you let go of that honestly you don't need to pick back up again? 
Like, it was really good that you let go of it. It needs to stay let go of. This could be sin. This could be a habit that's like fun, but not, not that important. Like, I don't know what that could be for you. But thinking through, what are some things that I don't need that to be a 30-day thing. I need that to be like a my whole life deal. And just let go. Stay let go. So we'll have time to reflect on that. Second question. What did I begin doing during Fast Forward that I need to continue doing moving forward? And the reason we gave this little bookmark to you is so you can fill it out and keep it and like really like look at it and have a reminder, right? But there's some things that you started with intensity and intentionality. As you follow the Lord, as you took some steps in the word and prayer, maybe in community, whatever it is, and the last thing you need to do is just cut it off because the 30 days ended. So think about what are some things you started and go, how can I take my next step in those things? How can I just keep pace with some of the things that I've started? Because Nehemiah 13 doesn't have to happen. I think sometimes it feels inevitable. Like, it's just kind of who we are. Like, we always end up just kind of dropping the ball on the good things in life and just go back to the bad things. I don't think that's our destiny. I think Jesus really wants to bring us to a place of freedom, to a place of liberation, to a place of life and peace. And I know sometimes that's hard to hold on to, but I believe that's for us. So we really want to think intentionally here uh, about these two questions. And then let me talk about what's on the back real quick. So this is as a, as a church. So if you're part of the family here or interested in being a part, I want you to see these things. We're gonna spend our communion time looking on the other side, the, the first two questions, but I wanna look at these. This is something we're asking for as our church as we continue to journey together, seeking the Lord. Will you commit to joining our church family to pray for our church, city, nation, and world one Sunday night of your choosing each month at our 7 p.m. prayer gathering? So we understand that a lot of us, we are busy. Schedules are crazy and Sunday nights, are honestly a place of either solitude or getting homework done or being with family, all those things. So we, we understand that asking an every week commitment. However, prayer gathering has been super sweet, all right? We're like seeking the Lord together. And we just go, as our church moves together, we wanna pray together, just straight up. It's at 7 p.m. at the cannery. So something we're just gonna ask of you, we're not gonna demand it because we couldn't, even if we wanted to, <laughs> that'd be weird. But we are gonna ask you to just consider, hey, could you come to prayer gathering once a month? Is that something you consider? And if you're like, maybe not, maybe once every seven weeks, great. All right, we'll shake on that. We'll take that, okay? But anyway, think about that. Number two, will you commit to giving one day of your choosing each month to pray and fast for our church, city, nation, and world? This is a great example of how not to completely let go of some of the things we picked up. So not every month is gonna be a fasting month, but would you just consider fasting in some way every month and just praying for our city, praying for our nation, praying for our world, praying for our church? And then number three, share your commitments with us at ethoschurch.org slash fast forward. So I think in the coming weeks, we're gonna have like this presentation of some of the commitments people in our church have made. This can be an anonymous thing. Or, I mean, you, I, you can put your name as well. But if there's something God's calling you into and you're like, man, I really want our church to know someone in the church is committed to this thing. Like, this is what we're doing. We just think it'd be super cool to have almost like a, a testify session. Like, hey, people in our church, this is what they're praying about. This is what they're stepping into. This is what we're doing. So if you'd like to submit what God's doing in your heart online, please do that. Take that step, okay? All right, I lived up to my promise, right? This was not emotionally hype. This was pretty practical, pretty, pretty like on the ground, I hope. So we're gonna enter into a time of community and communion. So for the next like 10 minutes, we're gonna play some music. And I'm really gonna invite you individually for a little bit to really look over this. And um, yeah, that's what we'll do. We'll keep it individual today. Like, Really take time to reflect and pray over these two questions on the individual side. Um, and just, just like talk with God about it. If you need to go outside, it's beautiful, a little chilly, but sunny. Um, if you wanna go in the back, if you wanna sit down, like this is your living room, do what you wanna do, okay? 
Was this helpful? Does this make sense? Cool. Um, all right, so let's play some music. Uh, reflect on these two questions. I'd encourage you to try to write some stuff down and then begin praying over them. And uh, something that's helpful for me is visualizing my week. Okay, so tomorrow's Monday. What's Monday gonna look like as I'm writing these things down? Like, get as practical as you can. That'll help us to, walk, uh, to keep in step with this.